Hello, welcome to Life Beyond the Numbers, the podcast where we share stories, insights and strategies that go beyond some of the numbers we encounter in our work life. I'm Susan Lee-Trivon. I work with organisations who put people first. I've lived and worked in many countries. I've met people who love what they do and people who don't. People who bring their full selves to work and people who won't. And together with my guests, we place a lens on and focus in on the people side of work life. Because we know that it is people who do the work, not numbers. And if we are treated well, we will perform well and might even generate better numbers. Well, today I am delighted to be joined by Emma O'Brien. Emma, you're so welcome to Life Beyond the Numbers. I'm really excited to be here and have this conversation with you. Great. So, Emma, what do you wish you knew or understood when you were younger? (laughs) Oh, gosh, there are probably quite a few things I could say there. But I think the biggest thing that I've really reflected on recently I would say is you find yourself you find your place in life and in the world when you stop trying so hard when you stop trying to fit in (laughs) it sounds so simple but I don't think that's easy no so how do you find your place or how do you convince yourself that you don't need to fit in So yeah, let's unpack it a bit because I guess what's led to that, I mean, it's a wonderful place to get to just to surrender, to be so accepting of yourself. But we're not wired like that, are we as human beings? We grow up and it's all about fitting in. It's all about, you know, what should we be doing perhaps in our career, in our life choices? And we spend so much time molding ourselves that we very often lose sight of who we are you know even the education system that we go through that's all about rounding us off filling in the gaps and we can get this sort of predisposition to think there's something wrong with us that we're broken that we need fixing that we have to keep doing more adding more to us and I think what I've really reflected on over my life and the sort of choices and decisions that I've made and also in my work, because I work as a hypnotherapist, I work with mindset, helping people with beliefs. And I've really come to understand that underneath all of this, we're so similar. We all have these same fears. We all have these same doubts and worries and yet we are all so different and unique at the same time. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? I always think that, that people are just people. So there are so many kind of fundamental needs that we need met. And then, yeah, you can meet somebody like me in India or in Brazil or wherever, yet we are all completely unique. It's fascinating. It is. Something you said was we're not wired like that to to believe in ourselves but I wonder are we wired like that 
And then we get rewired by society and expectations around us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all babies come onto the planet, you know, believing that they are enough. They get their demands met. They don't sort of think, oh, should I cry? Will... <laughs> you know, they just do it, don't they? And one of my mentors is uh, Marissa Peer, and she sort of has this great way of talking about this and she says you know no babies sat there with food over their face going oh look don't look at me babies just crave attention and and young children they're like look at me look at me and then as we get older it's don't look at me don't look at me (laughs) where's the switch then between the look at me and don't look at me because that that's so true I have a three-year-old niece and you can see her she just doesn't have those inhibitions And I can imagine in another couple of years that will shift. Yeah, so we pick up messages and beliefs about ourselves. So I think what's really interesting to note is beliefs are just about our brain being really efficient. We create beliefs because then we've learned something. And when we learn something and it's locked in, it can be subconsciously ran, you know, about 95, 97% of what we do is subconscious. So if we think about beliefs in that way, we are forming beliefs all of the time when we're young to help us navigate the world. So we learn very quickly what we should and shouldn't do, what's safe for us to do, what isn't safe for us to do. Out of efficiency, we don't have to think about things so much. When it comes to our confidence, our self-belief, self-esteem, self-worth, all of those things, we pick up information about ourselves from influential people around us, from the events that happen to us and the meaning we attach to those events. So we then learn these programs and how it manifests itself. So I'll give you a really simple example. Perhaps you're at school, you're in your primary school. It's your first school play. You've been rehearsing your lines with your parents for the weeks and weeks leading up to it. And then finally, it's your moment to speak and you forget your words. And everyone turns and looks at you and laughs and your face flushes, your heart races, your chest tightens and you feel like you want to die (laughs) in that moment. And the shame, the embarrassment that comes with that. Now, you might forget all about that experience. 35 or 40 year old you may have no recollection of that it's buried in the past however what is happening today is you feel terrified at the thought of speaking out in a meeting (laughs) you've got to give a presentation and you're sweating you get a migraine you are really worried about doing this thing you flush in the face can't get your words out and it's the worst thing in the world that you've been asked to do this and Oh, but the reason you feel like that, the reason why your body's responding like that is because of that shame and humiliation that you felt way back when, because your brain learned, let's not go there again. Let's not do that. And so for a lot of people, they don't realize what they're experiencing today is a culmination of these events, these beliefs, the meanings that they've attached to situations. And it doesn't even need to be big trauma, (laughs) trauma with a capital T. It's these sort of more minor events where 
with a child's logic, your brain's created this, made this decision for you. <laughs> to keep you safe, essentially. Keep you safe. Yeah, yeah, that's its job, to keep you safe. Not always to keep you happy, but definitely to keep you safe. That's an interesting one. You're in a meeting or you're doing a presentation at work or maybe... Yeah, maybe you're doing a speech, whatever it is. I mean, there's so many varieties of that. And then your boss says to you, I notice your presentation skills are crap. Or in a meeting, they're like, you never speak up. Or there's so many combinations of the feedback you will get around that. So how does that then impact you? I think it varies by individual because... If you already have a predisposition to feeling not good enough, that those words are perhaps words you've heard before. Maybe you were told you were too much as a child or, you know, you talk too much or you should be seen and not heard and all of these messages. And then your boss says something like that and you let it straight in because it already fits with your perception of yourself. Whereas somebody else who doesn't have that perception maybe slightly more Teflon coated. But of course, we all get to choose, don't we? And I think that the really key thing, you know, bringing it right back to what I've learned is that we get to have more control over what we let in and how we let things affect us or not affect us than we ever realised. So how do we do that? (laughs) Well, um, one of the really important things to know, I think, about how our minds work is that it responds to us to ourselves that the words that we are saying to ourselves and the thoughts that we are having in our own mind that's the biggest thing it responds to because you can think about it yourself so if you have a thought that thought creates a feeling so if you feel not good enough if you feel like you're going to fail or that this presentation is going to be terrifying, that your words are going to stick in your throat, those thoughts. How does that feel in your body? Well, it feels uncomfortable. It doesn't feel good. And so then that affects the action, you know, how you come across, how you feel as you're doing it, perhaps the quality of what you actually do deliver. And then you have more thoughts that reinforce unless something else happens that flips that switch over so when we think good thoughts about ourselves we feel better we feel better in our bodies stronger and then the action that we take is going to be more confident and more um, self-assured and then the response we get people respond to that you know and you feel that connection with other people perhaps more and then it's self-fulfilling isn't it you're in an upwards trajectory rather than that downward spiral the um the vortex of self-doubt as I call it (laughs) because when you start to doubt yourself and you let that in you get more of that and it becomes you know it can suck so much of your life into that vortex (laughs) Absolutely. And I'm just picturing like a washing machine or something where it just continually spins around and throws you out all wrinkles <laughs> at the end. Yeah, because what you get when you feel that way about yourself, 
it, it colors your whole experience. And so, you know, we've all had times in our life when you can say, oh, yes, I remember. And I didn't feel good about myself. And then this happened and then that happened. And then you seemingly have a series of unfortunate events. And then that goes to prove, yeah, I'm, I'm obviously not good enough or it proves your point, proves yourself right. But when you, you, when you realize and you can play with this, you know, if I give myself better words, if I tell myself a better story, and give my, my mind better pictures of me doing well, me living the life that I want, then that's going to be your experience. And we know this because if you've ever gone to buy a new car and you've decided you want, say, a yellow car, because nobody's got a yellow car, like you don't see them. And then, of course, you go shopping for yellow cars and then you see them everywhere. <laughs> and you're like, why has everybody got a yellow car all of a sudden? And it's not that anything has changed objectively it's just what your mind is showing you is happening you know it, it, it's filtering all of the time for what's relevant to you and all of a sudden yellow cars have become relevant so you're seeing more of it so apply that to yourself if you look in the mirror and go oh gosh you look really old today and look at your flabby thighs and <laughs> wobbly arms and oh your stomach if you say things like that what are you going to see about yourself? What are you going to feel about yourself? Because if you're brushing your teeth going, hello, gorgeous, you look great this morning. <laughs> Ready to get going and embrace yeah. another day. Go and rock the day. Yeah. yeah. So I keep thinking about thinking positive and I don't think that's what you're getting at at all, is it? Because that is one of those that can be a bit toxic that think positive mm. so what are you talking about really Emma okay so I I see it like this you get to choose the glasses you want to wear and see the world through those so make it serve you it's as simple as that. So it's not thinking positively necessarily, although that's part of it. But you can be glass half full or glass half empty. And, and I think you get to choose whether you see something as the end of the world or an opportunity, whether you see something as, as bad for you or good for you. There are studies around stress and how people's perception of stress make it so. So if you feel that stress is bad for you, when you are under stress, you are likely to have the negative effects of that. If you view stress as quite positive, and it means you're challenging yourself, that you're learning new things, then your body will respond in kind. So what I say is that, number one, you have more control over this than you could ever believe possible. Through the words you tell yourself, the mental images that you're making in your mind so everybody has more power over themselves than they realize and that has a physiological as well as a sort of mental effect and the second part of that is repetition when you do it repeatedly and make it a habit you have so much more agency you are the one who's choosing and influencing Maybe not choosing, but influencing your life circumstances. With the attitude or the, yeah, the things you choose to let into your mind, I guess, as well. Yeah. 
And um, it's very difficult to, like we can't control everything that we think. That's really hard because we all have flash judgments or flash thoughts that crop up. Yet we also have the ability to, at whatever point we can feel resourceful enough to reorientate ourselves, we get to choose a new way, another path. We get to change our glasses again. <laughs> Let me put those glasses back on and choose the perspective that I think is going to serve me about the situation rather than the one that's going to keep me stuck. And can those glasses... I suppose, how do you start? That's the thing. So if we go back, <laughs> no, it's really interesting. But I think if I'm listening to this, right, and I'm one of these people who goes into a meeting and freezes when somebody asks me a question or doesn't really know how to do a presentation. And then the advice I'm getting here is change your glasses. And it's not, I'm being kind of flippant. But yeah. What else can you do? Because how do you start? How are you aware that this is something you can change? So I think the best thing is to start really simply. And what I recommend to my clients and the people that I work with is to, if you're going to do something, you could, in fact, you could start your day with this, just see your day going well it starts with intention so think about what do you have on today so for me today I've got a podcast interview <laughs> with conversation <Susan>. <laughs> yeah <laughs> a conversation and so I'm there thinking I can't wait to meet Susan I'm really looking forward to it I'm it's going to be an exciting chat we're going to really hit it off and it's going to be a really interesting conversation I'm going to enjoy it the words will come to me. So those are the things that I was doing in preparation for this. And I, and I told myself I'm excited. Now, many years ago, before I knew what I know now about how our minds work and how we get to influence that, I would have been panicking. I would have been over preparing. I would have been trying to write out a script, which we all know when you're having a conversation like this, you just can't do. I would have been thinking, oh, what if she asks me, blah, 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 and I don't know the answer. I'm going to look stupid. Good old imposter syndrome. I'm a fake, a fraud. People are going to find me out as not being very good and my life will be ruined. <laughs> no one will want to work with me and Susan will think I'm rubbish uh, those are the thoughts that we have and I could have gone down that path this morning but I chose the glasses I was going to view this conversation through and I'm happy to say that I'm really enjoying it <laughs> instead of feeling <laughs> terrified that's good to know we can change the dynamic you know <laughs> <laughs> but it reminds me as well of, say, preparing for interviews or exams even. I always had the, like any of us, we get those butterflies and maybe increased heart rate. People talk about sweaty palms. I mean, all of that stuff. But I always saw that as a positive, like I was gearing myself up for this interview. I needed to feel those feelings. Otherwise, I wouldn't be performing at the level that was required of me. and. 
when I learned that other people felt exactly the same way, but thought it was like the other way, they kind of couldn't answer any questions or fearful of the exam, it kind of blew my mind a little bit that our experience was the same, but our interpretation of the experience was so different. Yeah, that is such a great example. You chose the meaning to make of that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great example. And often, you know, within the body, fear and excitement, they are incredibly similar. So it's not, it's not a, a leap, a too big a leap for the brain to get. If you say, I'm excited, I'm excited, I'm gearing up. If you're having those thoughts, the brain's not going to sort of object to that because it's actually very similar. Your mind will accept that as a response. If you tried to calm, if you wanted to go from that state and say, I am calm, I'm relaxed, then that might be something that actually you feel resistance to because it's too big a change. It's too big a state change for your mind to get behind. So go with what feels believable to you. I think that's really important. And so when you're trying to reorientate how you feel about yourself, you might not go from hating the way you look to loving yourself overnight. You might need to say, okay, so I'm not so happy with my flabby stomach, but I will give it to myself. I've got great eyes. That's something you can, you can go with. <laughs> There's something about me that I like. And so it's finding what feels realistic. So we move from overly positive and Pollyanna to something that's realistic and that serves you better. And that enables you to put your focus towards something that is more helpful to you, that is more encouraging and supportive, not so critical. Because people don't realise, and I didn't realise until I trained with Marissa Peer as a rapid transformational therapist, I'd experienced depression in my past and it was very painful. (laughs) It was really horrendous. But what I know and understand through my training is that so much of what depression is, is the harsh, critical words that we say to ourselves, that and not following your heart's desire. Wow. I've written notes here of so many things I want to go back on. But let's just take that last piece there that you said, because the critical thoughts and not going with what your heart desires. So it's like the perfect storm of I'm useless, I'm rubbish, whatever you might be saying to yourself, no one will ever hire me anywhere else. I'm stuck in this job forevermore because blah, blah, blah. Yet actually you dream of, I don't know, let's say you're an accountant, (laughs) but you dream of being the astronaut or the lion tamer like on Monty Python. So you get stuck in back into the washing machine almost of that vortex Mm. and everything you see then outside of you is reassuring that view of the world for you. Is that kind of. Yeah, people feel trapped. The, The situation that you've just described 
it's not empowering, is it? It's quite the opposite. It smacks of resignation of this is my life. This is all I can expect. Just get on with it. Being on a treadmill, being in a hamster wheel. And I think because, I mean, I was listening to some learning material from Gallup recently talking about well-being and strengths and how how can we learn to think about well-being from our own strengths and what we naturally are good at and how we can align these things better so that we are living better thriving more and career is <laughs> along with social and community aspects of our life but career and work you know what we do every day what we spend our time doing every day is is so critical to that piece and so yes it's not in a vacuum there are there are other things that go into and make up your well-being but for so many of us we want to contribute we want to be useful. We want to do something that matters with our life. We want to get to our deathbed and feel fulfilled. People don't really fear death. They fear living a life not that's not fulfilled. And so very often I think people are wrestling with keeping things the same, not making trouble in their own life or, you know, disrupting perhaps within their family or whatever the constraints they're putting on themselves and this calling or yearning that's within them to do something that matters to make a difference with their life and the fear I'm going to get to the end of my life and not not you know and have regrets that I didn't do the things that I wanted and this is really quite painful situation for people to be in it certainly resonates with what I was talking about with my own experience of depression I was in a career corner I thought I'd painted myself into and I didn't know how to get out. And I was having those thoughts at, in my early 30s thinking, oh, that's it. <laughs> I've ruined my life. <laughs> when now I'm thinking I can continue to change and evolve and do so many different things with my life and my career. It's limitless. Wow. I like that the career corner painting yourself in and I can see it's like as a small child you had to stand in the corner when you were <laughs> bold or whatever so there you are in the corner facing the wall thinking this is it this is my lot but I guess the part of it that it might be hard to reconcile for people is the responsibilities they feel like a mortgage family. I can remember I quit a job after five months because it was soul destroying. And somebody saying to me, well, it's fine for you. You don't have a family. You can do that. You don't have the mortgage, whatever. And I remember thinking, well, I could stay there. But like <laughs> if I had all of those things, but I would be so miserable and everyone in my life would be miserable, too. So if you're struggling with this, for people that are in that corner now, Emma, or feel like the corner might be meeting or coming towards them, 
how do you start again and back to like what do you do what's good to start with my journey is one that I incorporate into the methodology that I work with my clients on I think that that's true for so many of us we've learned steps that have helped us and therefore if we can expedite that journey for somebody else then that's good and something positive can come of that mess we've, we found ourselves in and somehow managed to clamber out of. So I'll briefly describe what that was. This was way before I trained as a rapid transformational therapist. So some of the things that we've already talked about, the tips around how you talk to yourself, that wasn't on my radar at the time. But I, what was, was strengths, learning about my strengths. That was the first piece of of turning my head in a different direction from feeling painted in and stuck to going oh my goodness I didn't even know this about myself and the whole philosophy behind strengths it gives me goosebumps every time I think about it I get so excited is that it's all about focusing on what's right with you so there's none of this you're broken that doesn't come into the equation. It's it's what's right with you. How do you naturally think, feel and behave compared to somebody else? And what might happen, what might be possible for you if you lean into that even more? If you accept who you are and go towards that even more, wow, look how brightly you could shine. Instead of being this rounded off person, possibly wearing a mask in a corporate environment, denying who you truly are and knowing it, to all of a sudden, I get to be me. Now, I was doing this. I was learning this stuff about myself and applying it in that same environment where I felt stuck for years. So I learned my strengths. I retrained as a rapid transformation therapist all all whilst in my corporate job. So I was applying what I was learning to myself so that I enjoyed what I was doing, but like I enjoyed my life more and what I was doing more, even though I knew it wasn't where I wanted to be long-term. And I didn't know where I wanted to be long-term. I just knew that I needed to make some changes. And knowing my strengths and practicing this, leaning into being me a bit more, being braver about being me, people liked it. I did better at work. People would say, oh, Emma's the person for this job because she's really good at this. I even found myself saying, I'm really good at this bit. Like, can I get involved there? I've got something to add to this. I also knew what I wasn't good at. I also knew what wasn't me. So I could go, You say you want me to do this, but I really don't think I am the right person for that because of this. I thrive in this situation much better. And so already look at how empowering that is. Look at how empowering that conversation is. No other human being worth their weight in soul is going to object to that kind of conversation. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, unless they are so, I think, probably so unaware 
that they just ignored because they weren't listening to you in the first place. But for the most part, when you can say to somebody, like you said, this is how I can help or this, I'm not the best person to help here because absolutely you kind of go oh okay well Jane will do it or Tom will do it yeah but the trends Emma are interesting as well because they are things often that we take for granted in ourselves I think and think that anyone can do it and that's where I think for a long time I didn't see my strengths because I was like anyone could do this this is simple yeah you're so right. I'm a Gallup certified strengths coach. So I use um, the Clifton strengths methodology for helping my clients understand their strengths. And it's available to anybody to have a look at. So we talk about strengths sometimes being like the bridge of your nose, <laughs> like it's there, but you can't see it. And so for some people, it is a journey of, a- of actually being able to recognize these things about themselves. But what I love about um, the the Gallup approach is that you've got so many talent themes that most people can recognize certain aspects about themselves but very often some of their strongest talents are things that just come so naturally and so easily that you don't see them or you think that everybody else can do it but when you start to look at it and become conscious of it and aware of how it's showing up for you then you start to go, oh, not everybody can do this. This is what makes me powerful. (laughs) This is my superpower. A bit like the characters on X-Men or or Spider-Man, you know, Spider-Man, when he first realizes he can shoot webs, well, the webs are going everywhere, aren't they? And then he kind of works out, ah, if I shoot it like this, then I get to swing from buildings. And before you know it, he's flying around and catching the bad guys and doing great things with his webs. It's a bit like that with your talent themes. You didn't realize that one of your propensities to always get the perfect gift for your friends, like you just have this ability to you would never get your friends the same gift. You get a personalized, perfect thing for them. And they think, gosh, they know me so well. Don't think of that as being one of your talents that you just pick up on individual differences within people and make them feel special. How incredible is that? That's a brilliant talent theme. Amazing. Even when you say it, you think when you get a gift like that, the thought went into it and it's personal and it's like wow I almost didn't even know I needed it but you feel seen and heard and recognized and valued and all of those things and the gift giver like just thinks oh well anyone could do it but it's not it's a special talent I'd love to be the sort of person that can get everybody the perfect gift it would save me so much anguish when it (laughs) comes (laughs) <laughs> particularly when it's my husband's that I'm trying to buy for I'm I have to start planning ahead for months because I'm trying to pick up the clues what can I get him what can I get him because it just doesn't come easily to me yeah I other things, <laughs> yeah other things do come easily to me I have an ability to paint pictures of the future for people you probably heard it oozing through my language about how exciting I get about the possibilities for people for life for all of us that's me I'm visualizing the future because that's what I do that's one of my top strengths and so 
when you start to see yourself in this way, it's not about what you're good at anymore. It's not about, oh, I'm great at numbers and I'm not. It's not about I have great grammar and English and all the things we defined ourselves with at school. I'm good at exercise. I'm not, you know, it was all of those sort of such arbitrary categories of, of defining our own competence and intelligence. You know, this is a completely different structure within which to think about yourself. And I guess that's what we've been saying all along, isn't it? If the structure that you are within, the structure you're operating within, that you've placed yourself in with your own thinking, your own perception about yourself, if that's not working for you, get a different structure. Learning about your strengths is part of that. So when you know your strengths, and when you look back over all of your achievements and see how they've been with you all along, there'll be those attributes of you that started to come out when you were a child, what you spent time doing, what you lost yourself doing as a child. When you can reconnect with those things, then you start to make incremental better decisions day by day. You start to bring those things into your life day by day. And then you'll notice that life shifts, doors open you move towards your purpose and your purpose seems to move towards you instead of that corner you were painted into before. What's coming towards you because you're open to it. Yeah. And one of the things I wrote this down earlier from something you said, but again, I think it's coming in here is when the things you're complimented for, because sometimes you won't take the compliment. You'll go, oh, it's not, you know, it's just me or something like that. Or you deny it. But actually, they're your strengths probably coming through as well when people pay you compliments. Yeah. So and I think that's a really important thing that you mentioned, because I have talked about imposter syndrome a little bit. We dropped it in. But that's that feeling of feeling like a fake and a fraud and like you don't sort of belong there and that you're not good enough. And when somebody gives you a compliment, very often people will push it back, push it away. They won't let it in. They won't recognize or take on board their successes and achievements. But I think there you have an opportunity. That's another opportunity to make a shift. To say, actually, what are they seeing about me? Be curious. What is that? You know, some people just gush and give you maybe more meaningless compliments. But very often there will be something very tangible that they've seen you could even ask them what was it that you you particularly enjoyed about that or you particularly think I did well if you could get used to asking that question at the very least let it in don't push it away you wouldn't give a gift back to somebody <laughs> they exactly and a compliment is that personalized gift we talked about because yeah. maybe it's not something you're going to open but it's something that that you can absorb and and see that this is my gift I love that yeah it's like a reflection back isn't it it's like they've held up a mirror to you in some way and you know they're sharing something and actually it's a lovely thing to do for for the person for you to receive it because people very often don't give praise lightly Think about how you praise people or when you think, when you take the time to actually point out to somebody, it's lovely when they take it on board. It's lovely when you see that person grow from it. And I think it's a very powerful thing. So that's one change that people could make very, very quickly and, and it have a, a positive impact.
Mm, it is. And RTT, rapid transformational therapy, because we've mentioned it a couple of times throughout this episode, but maybe you would just let people know what that is for those that might not know. So rapid transformational therapy is a therapy that was developed by Marissa Peer, who we've mentioned before. She is a, a very well-known hypnotherapist, very experienced. She's had an incredible career working with some amazing people in her life. And she has shared her process, if you like, and been training um, therapists in it for some years now. And I trained in it. So it is a form of hypnotherapy. It uses hypnotherapy to help people to change their beliefs about themselves very rapidly it helps you get to the root cause of many many different kinds of issues and hypnotherapy is effective all sorts of things weight loss smoking all sorts of physical issues as well I won't go into into all the ins and outs but it's a very effective technique so you know when we talked about some of those incidences that might have happened that formed beliefs because you attached a meaning to that event, the school play or the, mm-hmm. or the harsh words that somebody said to you that made you feel small, unworthy, not good enough, that you'd never be successful, whatever it was. It helps you to go to find out those events, those sensitizing events that happened and change the meaning that you gave to it. You get to look at it with adult logic instead of five-year-old logic, you get to resolve the inner conflict, the part of you that's trying to keep you safe and the part of you that wants to let go of the habit. (laughs) Because it always feels like that, doesn't it? I want to give up smoking, but it's like part of me won't let me. (laughs) I want to drink less, but part of me seems to not let that happen. You know, whatever it is you want to change or exercise more or, or, or be more confident, a part of me holds back. So there's this inner conflict that goes on. And what we can do using hypnotherapy is actually rewire those normal pathways. So instead of the pathway that led down that route of speaking in public equals bad, equals gets us killed, <laughs> we change it. We change it to speaking in public means I'm living my purpose, means I'm sharing my truth, my message. It's me being who I am and I love it. So you change the meaning. And so we, we use various tools and techniques and approaches to help people do that very rapidly. Often people only need one session. So for something like through flying or overcoming those issues with presentation skills, for example, interview performance that would probably only need one session when it's more like helping people to make bigger longer term shifts in their life perhaps overcoming depression or anxiety for example then perhaps three or four sessions might be appropriate as people orientate and work through those different layers so it's incredible life-changing it changed my life knowing about it learning about it It's fascinating and it's a privilege to work with people in this way, I think, as well. Huge privilege. Brilliant. I I can imagine. I haven't done RTT, but I've had hypnotherapy and and I can attest to those changes that happen and rapidly. And it's quite incredible. And it is a privilege to have someone hold that space for you as well and guide you to to overcoming something that part of you knows, like you said, isn't serving you and part of you is like no but we need it we need it 
and and you have you're just continuously going around in a circle until somebody can help you shift yeah and I think the effect I mean I've experienced it myself and as obviously in training and and swapping sessions with people I've had lots of experience of it and so for me the way I describe the effect it's it's you know we were talking about choosing those different glasses and putting different glasses on it's kind of like that but it's happened in two hours (laughs) you know what I mean it's like all of a sudden those glasses that you had on before they've been updated like they're in high definition now, beautifully coloured. And if it's something you'd wanted to give up, you find yourself just not interested in it anymore. You're like, oh, doesn't even bother me. I can be around other people eating pizza and I'm still very happy to eat my salad. Thank you. And how powerful that is. Or you suddenly find yourself really getting out there, being visible, putting your hand up to do the presentation, all of the things that you never thought you would do. And enjoying it when you're doing it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, amazing. We've talked about so much here and hardly anything we intended talking about, but (laughs) that's the way it goes. But I also want to give a shout out to Nikki Hill, who introduced us in the first place. And I spoke to Nikki on, I think, episode 53, and we talked about strengths as well. And that's how she said, you need to talk to Emma. But we've talked about so much like strengths, but also a lot more. Uh, Emma, how does somebody connect with you if they'd like to learn more about you and what you do? Yeah, so I'm active on Instagram and Facebook as Emma, the mindset coach. And so I assume you put the links with the I will. show notes. Yeah. Um, so that's great. I'm always happy to receive an email. So I think sometimes these days with social media, it all feels a personal. So. <laughs> Is that a word? Unpersonal? In- <laughs> Not personal. <laughs> Impersonal. That's it. Impersonal. There we go. Correcting ourselves again. Doesn't yeah. really matter, does it? <laughs> and so, yeah, people can just reach out, send me an email. I'd love to know if there's anything that resonated from what we've talked about, because sometimes that helps, doesn't it? It helps us process what we've heard, what we're thinking about and the sense that we're making of it. So I'm always happy to hear what somebody thinks about something we've put out there and obviously if anybody wants help with the things that we've mentioned whether that's discovering strengths and learning to amplify those in your life whether it's overcoming some sort of mindset challenge or issue where hypnotherapy might be absolutely really supportive in helping you move forward so that's what I love to help people with. Great and One thing I want to say is this is obviously a podcast and the video isn't going out. But if you could see Emma's eyes and Emma's facial expressions throughout this interview and you're you're so engaging to speak with. And, you know, I can feel it here how deeply and the word passionate is so overused in a way, but how deeply you believe this stuff. And and you can see the impact it's had on your life. you're just the picture of happiness across the screen. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, and that gives a lot, I hope that gives a lot of people hope because I was that person. I was that person in, 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 the, in the corner. And I live and breathe what I teach. And of course, there are times when things aren't going so well for me. And what do I do? I go back and I implement all over again. 
But isn't that the thing, Emma? It's like, just because everything you, you're never perfect. Not, you know, there's no such thing, is there? And some days you're going to be in a bad mood or some days things are going to feel a bit crap. And some days you can't change those glasses. (laughs) But knowing that actually most of the time you can choose and you can make changes is just so empowering. I love that you've said that. You just reminded me that one of the things I have on my phone as a reminder every day, I don't think I've actually shared this with anybody before. Mm. I have a little reminder that says every day I get to choose. And it just reminds me that whatever I've got going on or however I feel in that moment when I see that flash up, I get to choose. That's actually gave me goosebumps. (laughs) because and does that go off random during the day is it one that just it it's it's just set for the same time but okay I love the enhancement now you've mentioned having it random because there's an app you can use that yeah yeah, you can put it in because I have well I did I was doing a course and they asked us to put something in random during the day and and you read it and you go oh yeah if there's an app that does that then yes please share yeah, I'll, I'll dig it out, put it in the show notes and I'll send it along to you as well. I can't remember <laughs> the name of it now, but it's great as a reminder app to for yourself. You don't need to tell anyone else, but thank you for sharing. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Emma, it's been such a pleasure chatting to you and thank you for being so open as well about your, I like that image of painting yourself into your career corner, but also in seeing the world open up for you again and yeah it's been lovely to talk to you this morning thank you you as well thank you for listening today and if you enjoyed this episode please share it with someone you know who would enjoy it too i believe we are all entitled to enjoy our work and the future of work life will be changed by those who put people first and create more fulfilling work lives for themselves, their colleagues, their teams and organisations. If you have any suggestions for topics you'd like to have covered, guests you'd like to hear from, or questions for me, please drop a line to susan at beyond-thenumbers.com. And finally, please consider leaving a review.